Suicides and Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are new to grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello there, and it's lovely to be back. Uh, it's great to have a new guest today that I, quite honestly, am really excited to hear. A uh, little bit different today, my guest is someone I haven't really spoken to before. So I only have a very basic outline, and sometimes that's actually the best way to start. So I want to tell you a little bit about my guest. His name is Ernest James. He's a family man, a father, a friend. I hear he has a real heart for people. He's a minister, a mentor, a speaker, and he's dedicated his life to inspiring others and uplifting them. He spreads a message of hope and healing. And I wanted to read you something that uh, he says that I think is really incredible. We must heal ourselves. When we heal ourselves, we heal our families. Our families heal our communities and our communities heal our world. That to me is incredibly powerful and it's one of the reasons that I wanted to have Ernest on the show today. So without further ado, welcome. It's good to have you with me, Ernest. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very uh, excited to be here. So uh, I know that I met you basically through Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel Brown is a coach as well and deals mm -hmm. with uh, men and uh, the, the trials and tribulations that they go through. And the fact that we don't give men nearly enough thought, consideration, or understanding when it comes to their feelings. Mm -hmm. You're, you've actually gone in, in a slightly different uh, direction in you deal with fatherless children. Fatherless, yeah, fatherless, fatherless daughters. daughters. Fatherless, fatherless sons too, but I'm I'm a fatherless daughter advocate and there's a whole story behind that. But yeah. Well well we're here to let you share your story, but as our as our audience knows, this is suicide zen forgiveness and that is usually the bones we build our stories on. So I'm just going to let you take it away, Ernest, and give us a little bit about you and what brought you to your calling. Yeah. So uh, again, thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Ernest James. Uh, I am a podcaster, a speaker, an author, all of those things, right? <laughs> as well as as well as other things. Um, and I, I was very interested on your. Uh, with your platform, because I do have a story of, of suicide and forgiveness. And it, it's, a, it's actually crazy how it all comes together. Um, so my story, as far as um, suicide is concerned, so I was married at the time. And I remember uh, going through just this real dark time 
right? And I say I, I always say I was going through the through the D's of life. So I was going through depression, divorce, uh, and debt. You know, then my mother-in-law died, who I was very close to, and then my mother died, right? So all within the same uh, probably was a three-year span when all of this was kind of going on. And so going through that, I really went into a deep, uh, deeper depression. You know. Um, and so I was at the point where I was like, you know what, I, I didn't want to be here because I didn't think that things would get any better, you know? And so, uh, I was going through that. And, and one of the things that helped me to get out of that was to change how I was looking at it. Right. Cause I was really focused on me. And, and, and that's one of the things that I think we deal with when we're dealing with, uh, even having suicidal ideations is we focus so much on ourselves and our problems. And a lot of times we can't change it. Right. And that's where that, that uh, serenity prayer came in, comes in and it says, Lord, help me to, to change the things I can and accept the things that I can't. And I think sometimes we get so uh, overcome with what we can't change and the effects that it is having on us that we get stuck right there, you know? And so with me, one of the things I did, what I had to do to at least start to bring myself out of that place was to change my focus and take the focus off me. And so uh, at that time, I, I, on, I only have one biological child. That's my daughter. And my daughter was maybe seven at that time. And so going back to that, uh, what I mentioned before with my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law got sick and ended up passing away, you know, and then like I said, three years, I think it was like three years after my mom passed away. And so it would be times I would be playing with my daughter who was like six, seven at that time. And we'll be playing and then she'll just start crying. And I'll say, what's wrong? And then she'll say, I miss my grandmas, you know, cause now both of her grandmothers was gone, you know? And so when it got to the place where I was at going through my own depression and thinking like, you know what? I, I don't think it's, I want to be here anymore because things will be better without me. You know, and so I had to take my focus off me and I put it on my daughter and I started really thinking about what would happen to her if I'm not here, because already at that time she had dealt with two major losses with both of her grandmothers gone, you know, and it was other loved ones that we had lost along that same time. So even in her short span of years of mm -hmm. six, seven years, she had already lost a lot of people. And then the most important person. Uh, because my daughter was a, a daddy's girl, you know, so it was always me and her wherever we went. It was like she was my shadow. Everybody would say, where's your shadow? Because everywhere I go, she was with me. And I'm like, what would happen to her if I'm gone? If she's already dealing with the loss that she's already dealt with and then now having to deal with, you know, me if I'm not here, which is a major part of her life, where would that leave her? You know, and so I began to focus on her. And then if one day at a time, if only one thing that I could hold on to to get me through one day would be I'm going to stay here for her, you know, and then that was the thing that gave me enough hope just to hold on. And then as that time went on, you know, I had family and friends that came around me and, and helped to strengthen me and carry me during that time period and, until I was able to stand up on my own and, and come back to myself and say, okay, you know, this is what it is, you know, and, and, and go from there. And so that was kind of my, my journey, uh, of my own thing. And, and I, and I like to talk about it because, you know, as men, 
we don't necessarily talk about it. And like I said, a lot of times we're not humanized as men to have any emotions. Like, yeah, we, we hurt too. We don't necessarily show it as much, you know, and there's a whole thing, stigma around that. It's like, we're afraid to, because we have to put on these capes as fathers, as brothers, as uncles, you know, as leaders. And, and we never have the chance to take the cape off. And even when we and are in closed doors and closed facilities amongst each other, we're afraid to take it off from amongst each other, you know? And so I'm very open about, you know, talking about my, uh, my experience, you know, and the, and the things that I do and definitely having conversations with men, uh, especially on a podcast to be open, to be vulnerable, to talk about the things that men don't usually talk about because I want us, number one, I want us to normalize it. I want us to normalize the conversation because I think a lot of times, we fall victim, especially when we're in, in those deep uh, parts of, of depression and things of that nature, because we don't let it out and we don't share it. There's a person that's right next to you who may have been through that same thing or may be going through that same thing, and they don't feel like there's any hope. But if you guys would just open up and share with each other and be vulnerable with each other, then you can help each other because you have an understanding of what each other is going through. Absolutely. And so I like to make sure that I talk about it and I'm open about it. I'm open about my journey. I, I vocalize it all the time about me going through it because I want, number one, I want people to know it's normal. It's normal. It's, this is happening to everyday people. It's not some, you know, stigma or whatever it is. Like, no, this is everyday people. And sometimes we just have the wrong mindset about it. Sometimes we have the wrong understanding about it, right? Because even myself, I definitely like to be honest and say before I went through my season of, of depression and even thinking about suicide, my thought process was why would someone do that? Because yeah. if you did that, you may end your pain, but the pain doesn't stop. It just transfers. So it goes from you to your loved ones that is left over. I, I'm going to stop you for a second there because first of all, I, I think I, I want to acknowledge and I want the audience to acknowledge. Okay, you got to give yourself kudos for being so considerate and having so much love for your daughter that you could see outside of you. Because suicide traditionally, it's not that we don't care about mm -hmm. the people around us, but we feel, okay, in ending our pain, we are going to make it easier on everybody around us. And yeah. more to the point, I think men probably feel it even more than women. But when you're going through things like this, you feel you're the only one in the world mm -hmm. that's ever had this problem, that's ever felt this way. And getting past that and understanding that you need to reach out to somebody that's what we have to get across. Yes. I just, I so applaud you for having the, the fortitude to understand that you had to get outside of yourself and, and your needs and consider your daughter and how much this would impact her. And I think in a way, you, there's got to be some gratitude for both your mother and your mother-in-law in giving you that insight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was a, um, it wasn't easy, you know, uh, cause again, I was, I was in a dark place, but one thing 
you know, like I said, even before I had my own uh, battle with it, like mm -hmm. I was saying, I had the understanding of why would you do that, yeah. right? Because you may end your pain or for you, but the pain doesn't stop. It just transfers to your family members, right? And so even taking that in consideration, you know, I thought of it as a as a uh, selfish act. Um, but when I started going through it myself, and this is why I, I acknowledge that, because I know that there are some people who haven't been into that place. And so they don't understand it. And so they may have that same mindset of, you know, that's you just being selfish. You just want to end it for you. But then how much more pain does that give to the ones that you leave behind? So, but when I got in the midst of it and I was going through my own battles, I realized that myself, even going to myself, I wasn't thinking of that as a selfish act. I'm thinking of, you know what, if I'm not here with, with the debt that I have, with the pain that I have, with the, the burden now that I've become to my family, because now I've lost my job, I'm in debt, I'm going through divorce, it's like a whole thing around it that affects other people. It's like, well, if I just move out the way, then everybody else will be good. You know, everybody else will be better. And that's not the case because you, your life is so important, not just to you, but to your loved ones, to everything that you're connected to that sometimes you might even, may not even realize the effect that you have on people. I remember running into people it's a guy I hadn't seen in years that I used to work with. I hadn't seen him in years. And I ran into him one day and we were talking. And he said, I never told you, but I will always watch you, you know. And I was always paying attention to you. And I loved how you carry yourself and, the, you know, your personality and all of that. And I had seen him in years, you know. But it was just like, wow, after all these years, the imprint that I made on him, even though I didn't even know I was making it, it yeah. still had an effect on him. And so there are people that's connected to you that are watching you who you don't even know are even paying attention, but they are inspired by you, you know? And so if you were to end your life, not only would it affect you, but it affect your loved ones and your intimate circle, but it affects so much outside of that circle, you know? And so we have to be able to, you know, look for that strength. And again, like I said, my, my focus was to, to put it on my daughter, you know, and then I had my friends and loved ones that helped me out. And then I had to come to the, to the realization that nothing's going to be the same anymore. Right. And it's okay. It's okay. When I was going through, uh, after the, the, the death of, of my mother-in-law and my mom, I started doing a bereavement support. And I went to bereavement for myself at first. And then I liked it so much that even after my term was over, I became a volunteer. And I stayed there and started doing it uh, as a volunteer. And one of the one of the uh, one of the things that I learned uh, in bereavement is the new normal. It's finding your new normal because things will never be the same, but it can be normal. But it's just a new normal, and you just have to accept it as it is, and then make the adjustments to your life because this is what it is now. It's new. My mom is not here anymore. My mother-in-law is not here anymore. What does that mean for me now? And how can I continue to live now? And so when I talk about uh, people uh, or us just as a people getting through uh, these depressions that we are in or even getting through suicide, the way that I uh, say it or the way that I encourage it is going by my own story. And I say, I, I'm a person that loves acronyms. So if anybody ever listens to the podcast or listens to me talk, I'm always going to have an acronym for something, right? So. <laughs> 
my acronym for, for getting through it, just from my own experience, I say we have to have fun. And fun, F-U-N, as an acronym, which is focus, unity, and normalize. So my focus, I put my focus off of me, and I put it on my daughter, right? And so that was the first thing. Get out of myself. Get out of what I'm feeling and what I'm dealing with and think about what can I do to benefit those who I care about? What, what, does I, what do I add to the marketplace? What do I add to the workplace? What do I add to my loved ones, to my family? And focus on them. Let me put take my mind off of me and put the focus on those who I, who I, uh, who I influence with just my being. So that's the F for focus. The second one is unity. Join together with some people or a community that can help you. That can be strength to you when you don't have the strength for yourself. I was blessed to have uh, family and friends around that was able to pick me up and carry me when I was too weak to carry myself. To encourage me when I was in that dark place and I just wanted to stay in the house and pull the shades and don't come outside. There was a knock on the door and say, hey, we going out today. Even if we just go for go to the park and go for a walk. You know, connect with a community and with loved ones and people that are there that can be your strength when you're not strong enough. To be your own strength. And then the last one will be normalized. Again, let's talk about that new normal. Things are different. Things have changed. And things will never be the same as they were. But that doesn't mean they can't be good. That doesn't mean they can't be better. And that doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life just as much as you did before this thing happened. Right? And so that's the way I explain it. We have to have fun with it. You know? And that how I got through it. I mean, somebody else may have another way, but that's just from my own experience. I knew it works because I'm still here, right? If it didn't work, I wouldn't be here, but it works and it works for me. And so that that's that, that's the way that I explain it. That's the way that I teach it, you know? And yeah, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm still here and able to vocalize it and help someone else, you know, along the way. So that's the way that I uh, kind of, that's my story in the spiel. <laughs> well, I, I think it's wonderful that you took from your darkest time and turned it into service of others, which mm -hmm. I think is incredible. And, and that's where I'd like us to go because I think it's really interesting that you're a minister and um, you deal to heal. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is such such an incredibly positive place to go and covers so many different things considering where it started from from feeling suicidal i i think it's it's absolutely critical for people to understand that you come from a deep place of knowing mm -hmm. and that makes it for me, even better for you to, to help people out there because you've been there. It's an awful lot harder sometimes, especially for men, to go to someone that they're not sure has ever felt that. And because when we're in those deep, dark places, we feel we're the only one that ever felt that, it can be hard to break down that wall. And that's what the and the silence and the stigma and the shame is all about and and more so for men but but i'm i'm really happy for you to go ahead and talk about your ministry and talk about what you do for fatherless daughters and and what that impact is 
Yes, yes, yes. So uh, about a, uh, maybe two years ago, I kind of went through my own, um, my own revelation, should I say, or my own journey of, of self-development. So I got to start getting into personal development and beginning to find out, you know, <clears throat> who am I and what do I really represent and what's important to me. And in that journey, I find out a, a couple of things about myself. And so uh, one of the things that I had already been doing was a male mentoring, you know, as a mentor for, for young boys. And uh, at this time, by this time, I was in my second marriage. I had been divorced and I was married again. And um, probably about five years in, into the marriage, we started having some, some problems. And what I realized that at the core of it all was a difference in upbringing. Right. So I was born and raised in a two parent household. My dad and mom was married until my mom passed away, you know, um, but my wife at the time, she was raised in a single mother household, you know. And so we had a blended family. I had my daughter, um, which is my only biological child, and she had four sons, which was her uh, children. And so we came together in this blended family. But when it came to, you know, how the family was going to run and, and raising the children and, you know, just getting along just with us, I had the example of two parents coming together and making it work. She unfortunately did it because she was raised by a single mother. So it was like, hey, I, I'm in control of everything. And she did yeah. everything and this and that. So it was just a difference uh, um, in, in upbringing and things that we had to, to um, challenges we had to get over. But what I realized in that time when I started to think about it, Every woman I had ever dated was a fatherless daughter. Oh, wow. And so I was like, wow. So when I came to that realization, it was like, well, either I'm attracted to them or they're attracted to me. But for whatever reason, we started connecting, you know. And so my outlook was, what can I do as a man to uh, impact this community, you know, for the better? And so I started a, a page called The Friends of Fatherless Daughters. And so I started going on and just giving uh, my viewpoint from my experiences and, and things that I have learned just to be able to uh, pour into that community of fatherless daughters. And I became a fatherless daughter advocate. And that in turn actually started my podcast journey yeah. because I, I started doing that. And then I got a phone call. I said, hey, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? I said, sure. I'd never done a podcast before. I heard about it, but I'd never done one. And so I did the first one that was like, okay, that was cool. After that, I had about four or five more invitations. The invitations was coming and I was I did them all. And so I had the, the opportunity to go to uh, uh, Dallas, Texas. And one of the podcasts that I was on, the guys that was over at the Dads on Purpose podcast, they stayed in that area. So when I went to that area, I was like, hey guys, I'm, I'm in the area because I'm from Chicago. So I'm like, I'm in the area, let's, let's do lunch. And so I got together with one of the guys and we're having lunch and we're talking and just going over some things. And he said, I think you should have a podcast. And I said, well, you know, okay, I'll think about it. And so I, I, you know, after the conversation, I thought about it and then I said, okay, I think I'm going to do it. And so my thing was, well, what do I want the podcast to be about? And how far do I want my reach to go? And so I realized I wanted it to be more than just about the fatherless daughters because I'm a person that loves people. And I reach out and touch so many different things because any way that I feel that I, I can help, then that's what I try to do. Excellent. And so in the midst of that, my mission kind of unfolded. And so my mission is to help people 
to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And so that mission already came. I was already saying it, but I didn't realize, you know, it was just something like a little slogan I was just saying. And then when I thought about it, I was like, that's that's it. That's the core of it. So when I started the podcast, Deal to Heal podcast, that's what I that's what I wanted to do. And I say on the podcast, I haven't been through everything and neither do I want to go through everything. The things that I haven't been through, I bring in guests and speakers who can talk about those things. And therefore, we're reaching a a large array of issues and topics that my listeners may be dealing with to try to bring some healing in in that area. And so that's how I I started the podcast. That was my journey. And it's, it's interesting when we talk about uh, just everything, and like I mentioned to you when I was even looking at the your show itself, because you deal with suicide, but then you also deal with forgiveness. Yeah. And so I've been blessed to be a part of a uh, organization called the Forgiveness Mission, right? And what we do, we have free um, uh, virtual workshops on forgiveness. And actually, at the time of recording this, we have one coming up. Our first one is coming up uh, this weekend. So whenever you whenever you guys are hearing this, if you look up Forgiveness Mission, uh, we have free uh, virtual workshops every quarter of the year. So whenever you listen to this, either one just passed or one is coming up. So, <laughs> But the, the, the thing with that is it was birthed out of the, the young lady who birthed it. It was out of her and her position where she works. She deals with a lot of uh, statistics and she was came across as one statistic that was showing that in their facility and with the people that they are, uh, she was in charge of dealing with, there was a high rise in suicides and she was moved by it. And she's like, I want to do something about it. And she connected suicide with forgiveness and being able to forgive. And so she started this mission. And um, I met her like three years after she had started it. And I thought it was great. And I got involved in it. And so that's what we're doing now. You know, we're doing these workshops. And so we we focus on uh we started focus on three things, but we, we begin to add to it. So we focus on forgiveness of self, uh, forgiveness of others, and uh, forgiveness and health and well-being with yourself. And we're adding some things on, you know, some more things on, but it's a great opportunity. And like I said, just the way that it worked out from, again, with my own journey, then forgiveness, uh, then suicide, and think about what that is and how that affected me, then be able to even take it even farther into forgiveness and start talking about forgiveness. And uh, one of the things that I, I teach, my part of it, that I teach is forgiveness of self. And again, as a person that loves acronyms, I got an acronym, right? <laughs> so forgiveness of self, and we look at self as an acronym, and it stands for season of life, emotional state, limited information, and forgiveness overall, right? And so when we talk about forgiveness of self, a lot of times we are holding uh, our holding grudges, as I like to say, against ourselves for some yeah. of the decisions that we made in our past, right? Yeah. And I always give the example of the, the 21-year-old me may have made some decisions that the 46-year-old me yeah. is like, yeah, you should have known better. But I didn't know better because I was only 21, you know? And so as now, as the 46-year-old me, how can I forgive myself for some of those for some of those decisions that I made, right? So, okay, number one, what was the season of life that I was in? 
at 21, I'm young and dumb. You know what I mean? I don't know anything. I'm just getting started. So I can recognize that as the 46 year old me, just like, I just didn't know no better. You know, I was just young. So that was the season of life that I was in. I was just in a young season, you know? And so then we did with the E, which is the emotional state. What emotional state that was I in at the time that I made the decision? And so I talk about the time period that I went through uh, when my mom passed away. Emotionally, I was all over the place. You know what I mean? So I may have made some decisions at that time that now I could be like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. Or maybe I should have thought about that a little differently. But if I recognize emotionally, I was, I was out I was out of sync. Then I could say, okay, emotionally, I wasn't right. So I can forgive myself for that because I, I wasn't right. So the L stands for limited information. One of the things I talk about is a lot of times we make decisions based off the information that we have. But a lot of times we don't have all the information. Yeah. Right? Going back to uh, just me, uh, as you see, I got the, like the brick background. I'm a bricklayer by trade. Right. Oh. And so when I was younger, uh, by the time I was in eighth grade, I pretty knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a bricklayer. I didn't know anything about construction uh, or how to get into it, should I say. So when I got out of high school, what did I do? I went to college and started taking construction classes. But I learned later, years later, about the union, about the apprenticeships, about okay. them paying for you to go to college. And then I'm like, I don't wasted all this time and money, you know, when I could have just went straight to the union and they would have paid for it and all of that. But I didn't have the information. Right. So the limited information made me make decisions that I thought was good based on the information that I had, but I didn't have the all the information. And so the F stands for forgiveness, just in overall forgiveness by recognizing that at the time that you made those choices, at the time that you made those decisions, you were doing the best that you could. And so just acknowledging at that time, I was doing the best that I could in the season of life that I was in, in the emotional state that I was in, with the information that I had, I was doing the best that I could. And so I could forgive myself for whatever those decisions that maybe now looking back, maybe not wasn't the best decisions, but at that time I was doing the best that I could and I could forgive myself for that. So that is the, um, the four steps to self-forgiveness. Wow. That is incredibly impactful. And uh, oh, where were you? <laughs> I needed to talk to you a long time ago. <laughs> to have such a depth of self-awareness, I, I think you really have to give yourself kudos for that because we we aren't all as introspective and often we can't see past our pain mm -hmm. and and don't have the ability to get where you went but the fact is there's always that opportunity for you to recognize and to reach out to others to help you up mm -hmm. and and that's part of the message of this website is letting people understand that lots and lots of people have stories. Lots of us have been there on, on both sides of the fence. And ending that silence and, and the stigma and the shame can only help all the generations that will come after us. Because 
you're a strong man. You think you're a bricklayer. You have to be strong to do that. <laughs> but having feelings and understanding that others have feelings and acknowledging them, that to me is true strength. Yeah. And we need men to understand that it won't make you smaller in others' eyes. It will make you larger, that mm -hmm. you can openly acknowledge your emotions and openly acknowledge that, you know, as a human, we don't have all the answers. None of us do. Yeah. And, and as a man, that's okay, too. I'm 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 just really really grateful to have you reach out and to have you come on the podcast. I thank you so much, Ernest. Is no there problem. something you would like to leave the audience with? Um, you're not alone, right? That's that's the the main thing that I wanted to to leave, right? One of the things that I do uh, is I'm a speaker, right? And so I'm a part of a, a speaker's community. And we had a big meeting um, in Chicago uh, earlier this year. And, you know, had all of the speakers in our area come together and just kind of celebrate each other and even had some of the newer nice. members. And one of the guys uh, had on a shirt and it just said stay, right? It just said stay on the front. And so I'm looking at it and it was an, intriguing. So I, I didn't know him. And so I went over and introduced myself, you know, and I said, your, your shirt is interesting. And so I asked him, what was the, the meaning behind it? And so he started to tell me about, he was having a conversation with his, his teenage daughter and she was going through some things and where she was thinking about committing suicide. And they had the conversation and everything. And so he was saying that, how could I, as a father, not see the signs, you know, how did I not, you know, not see it. And so as he began to talk to her and, you know, encourage her, the word that came out of that was stay, mm. just stay, you know, just stay here. Don't, don't give up, just stay. And so I just want people to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You may feel like you're alone because you haven't verbalized what you're going to. You may feel like you have you're alone because maybe you are, are listening to those who are verbalizing it, right? And you haven't reached out to a community that understands what you're going through. And so that's why, even with my uh um even with me explaining as far as the fun, you have to take the focus off yourself and start looking outward because a lot of times we are so focused on looking inward and how we're feeling and what we're dealing with that we close out the outside world. And so then we feel like we're alone because we have isolated ourselves from everyone else. And so I just want to leave a message with you guys to know that you are not alone. There are hotlines, there are communities, there are people like myself and Elaine that you can reach out to, you know, that if we can't help in person or we can't help, we can send you somewhere that does, you know, where there's a community. And then with the with social media and the internet, it's just a tap away, right? From reaching out to someone who understands you, who've been through what you're going through and can help you along. And so that's my main message. You're not alone. Thank you so much. Ernest James has been my guest today and we've absolutely learned a lot. I want you to look into everything he's offered, especially the acronyms, which you'll find 
on his page on suicides and forgiveness. I thank you so much for joining us again today. And as I always say, make the very best of your today every day. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.